Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stone? I mean, what's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit? It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is, your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. Paid for by NHTSA. I'm Chris Van Oker, and I'm hosting a new podcast called The Van Oker Group. Once a month, I gather a panel of funny, brilliant, and partially unstable guests to discuss local and national politics. Subscribe to the Van Oker Group podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Music app, or Spreaker.com. Hi, everybody. This is the Let's Go Eat Show. I'm Bill Allred. Being a news anchor on television is a tough job, especially given the climate today of cutbacks in all kinds of media. And it's also a tough job if you're a woman. There are special problems that you have to face uh, involving that. And we're going to find out about all of that by talking to Channel 4 KTVX news anchor Kim Fisher. Kim Fisher, if you watch the news on Channel 4, uh, she's great. She's a, She really is a good news anchor. She knows how to do her job. And if you don't watch Channel 4, uh, you should, okay? We're going to talk to Kim Fisher. Uh, but before we do that, I just want to remind you, go to patreon.com. P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. I spelled it right because Dylan is nodding. Yes, yes, Dad, that's right. Patreon.com. There's all kinds of special stuff there. And for just a little bit of money, you get this special stuff. And that makes it so that Dylan can put gas in his car. That all being said, in a kind of roundabout way, a confusing way, but that's how I feel right now. Let's uh, go to the interview with Kim Fisher, Channel 4 News anchor, right now. Kim Fisher... You've already spilled it already, all over yourself. Already, I'm not even on air yet. I wish this was on camera. That was, oh boy. That was, yeah. quite, that was awesome. quite remarkable. Uh, it, it, you're, you don't have to wear this to work. Oh do you? yeah. I mean, you're going on the air wearing mm. this. Well, outfit. wearing um, cucumber basil Mediterranean dressing now. Now, when so uh, Channel Four anchor, what are you? So, what time do you start? I start at two o'clock. Anchor the what? Five, six, and ten. You anchor all of them. All of them. They keep me busy. Uh, well, you know you, the reason you it's it's I mean you anchor all of them for a good reason because because you are really good at what you do. Thank you. I uh, uh, but the one thing I want to ask you out right up front here first is you're not wearing your glasses. And no. I, and I and I know you have in the past worn them. Yes. Do you wear them sometimes or? So or my glasses? No, no, they're they're they in my purse. They're, no. they're a prop, aren't they? Here, no, I'll let <laughs> to make you, you look I'll, smart. Because I like you. <laughs> I like you in the glasses. I so I I have them because I am getting older. Okay. And you know what happens as you get older? I'm trying on Kim Fisher's glasses. Yeah. We should get a picture of this. Yeah. Because I've always oh yeah you do have a uh-huh. bit. Mm-hmm. I've always maintained that I can look good in any pair of glasses. <laughs> Let's see. You look, you look. Uh, it's a look. Mm-hmm. It's a look. My so I have to apologize for my hair. I know I look like a crazy person with my hair like no. this. No, you, you have a full head of hair and it's I curly. Do. It's great. I well I'm I'm. It's been short for a long time and it used to be shoulder length. 
Well, it's you know long is in now. So, so. I'm trying to I'm trying to grow it back, and it's at a stage where a lot of times I just look like a crazy person. But <laughs> Kim Fisher, Channel Four anchor, news person, working very very hard, and you just came from uh, something that you did this morning. What were you doing this morning? Yeah, it was the breakfast for South Valley Services. So that's. Um, it's a place for domestic violence victims. It's an emergency shelter. So this morning they had their breakfast, and I am seated, helping them raise money to help victims of domestic violence. Uh, we'll talk a lot about that more coming up because I know that's part of your life and a part of it. But let's just start kind of basic and and uh, please free, feel free to eat your salad. No, I've just I sprayed Don't it all over myself here, earlier. I feel like I should shake it. Maybe. Can you? Can, can you, let's eat. I'm afraid if you shake it, it's going to go all. Yeah, the, shake and it then it'll get all in all of us, and Everybody, we'll match. Yeah. There you go. Right. See, my clothes. It doesn't matter. I'm not. I don't wear a jumpsuit. He's in radio. <laughs> yeah, I'm wearing a jumpsuit for the second day in a row, and it's not easy to uh, go to the bathroom in these things. Not the same. <laughs> So, you have to take that all the way off. All the way off. You feel very exposed at work in the bathroom. Yeah, I don't you think I would like that. Have your pants and everything else on the floor. Mm. Although, <laughs> no, let's not get into bathroom talk. No. <laughs> I was going to just say uh, experience that just happened to me a minute ago. But, <laughs> all right. We have a guest. Jeez. Mm-hmm. So, boy, had a big piece of steak there. And uh, Kim is eating a salad. I guessed on which one she might like. You guessed very well. Falafel and and there's goat cheese and mm. I think pickled beets. Yeah. This is this Something life pickled. pickled life core eatery. Is that what it is? I think. Thank you, life core eatery. They're about to start uh, some advertising with us a little bit, and uh, they brought these in, and they're really good. Okay. Core well, life eatery. Core, core life. life eatery, core not life core. Core life eatery. Right. So, from Texas. Mm-hmm. I've found that people who are from Texas like to talk about the fact that they're from Texas. That's what I did right when I walked in here. You did. You mentioned it. <laughs> I knew you were from Texas, and and they say they they followed the Texas football teams, and mm-hmm. they and they say, well, you know, in Texas, and all of that kind of stuff. Guilty. Why is that? Why do Texans do that? And they've always done it. We have a lot of state pride in Texas. You know, I mean, our state flag flies everywhere you find the U.S. flag. It's on bumper stickers. It's on buildings. And I mean, it's everywhere. So you just grow up in Texas being very proud of being a Texan. I've always uh, thought it was because at one time Texas was the largest state. It was. In the United States until Alaska. And then it so Texans got even worse about doing it because they said, well, we're still Texas. You know. Did you hear? And she said, she said, thanks, Alaska. Thanks, Alaska. Yeah. There's a bitter rivalry or feud between Texas and Alaska. Nah, and they're so different. Yeah. Yeah. So, so Kim Fisher, you've been here uh, uh, at Channel 4 how long? Six years. Six and a half years. It, 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 how, you must love it here. I, I get the sense that you do. Yeah. But you're, and I'm not just trying to butter you up or say anything, you're exceptionally good. Thank have you. you. Have you, do you have any thoughts of... And I, I maybe you don't want to talk about that, but I mean, you, your career, uh, I don't know how old you are, but you've got time to... Sometime. Yeah. Sometime. <laughs> I mean, it is tough because you're a woman mm-hmm. in, and it, it's still that way in broadcast. 100%. It's even TV. worse now than it was in the past because, you, as you know, you're in the media. Yeah. We have fewer ad dollars coming in. That means you can't pay people as much as you used to, which means younger people. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just a reality. Yeah, and so. and there's always been that you know uh, there are some women who have done well in uh, TV journalism, 
as they've gotten older, but mm-hmm. but it's it's a looks situation right. too as well, and you know. So so anyway, thoughts about about my future a bigger a bigger market. Salt Lake's a good market, but I will say this: when I came here six and a half years ago, um, I was only going to be here two, maybe three years. Get it on my resume that I'm a full time anchor, and then bounce. Um, but then, as fate would have it, I met a boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Utah met, boy. Met a boy. Actually, he's a New York boy. Okay. I should say man. He's going to kick my butt for saying boy. <laughs> so yeah, no, he's from New York, and he moved here. He's been here about 15 years now, mm-hmm. and he moved here to be in the mountains. So okay. he made the decision. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. I'm just going to move there, leave my job in finance, and figure it out. And he did just that. He started off. As uh, a server at a restaurant on Main Street in Park City, mm-hmm. and he's worked his That's way up they do it. to owner, and so now he. Oh, owns what is, the what's restaurant. the restaurant? Yuki Amasushi. It's wonderful. It's rated number one on TripAdvisor. <laughs> Yuki Amasushi. Yuki Yama. Yuki Yama Sushi. Is is he Asian? No, he's okay. Italian. Italian and an Italian sushi. Yeah, a mutt of some sort. Yeah. So, uh, so he's he's here, and he's. He loves it here. Yes. He skis and hikes and does all of that stuff. You got it. And our first date, he said to me, I know how you TV people are. You move around all the time. Well, if we end up together, I'm not going anywhere. So you just need to know that. And I laughed. I'm like, like you're going to stick around two weeks. Mm-hmm. And now. Uh, and here you are. Here five are. years, six years later. Jeez Louise, time flies. Uh, uh, did he, did he, how did you meet him? Match.com. Really? <laughs> more and more people, I, more and more people do that. Yeah. When uh, you know, when I was growing up, we didn't have that. You know, there was no dating services like that. Yeah. I think that there were ward dances. That's <laughs> yeah, well, know, that was a dating it's, service. It's getting to a point where it's really a lot harder to meet people in person. I I yeah. fought it when I first moved here. I had never done online dating. Um, in Texas, it was a little easier for me since um, I'm not LDS. So I'll go ahead and say that. But um, so when I moved here, I found it really difficult working a night shift, not knowing really anyone, not knowing the. T- Town, I had a hard time meeting people. And one of my coworkers had met his wife on Match.com. And he said, that's what you got to do. It's the only thing you do. And I was like, no way. I'm not going to be that girl who's online dating. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously. <laughs> but it worked. Yeah. And I talked to many people who met their spouses on some sort of online uh, service, uh, Tinder, Grinder. No, no, oh, just, no, no, no. That is not for relationships. No. Everyone knows that. No. Uh, so, so uh, yeah, little girl growing up in Texas. Yeah. Little Texas gal, and I know you. I you had troubles in your life. I don't, mm-hmm. uh, let's talk about that in in a little bit. Okay. Let's talk about how you became uh, a journalist. Why that happened. Oh well. So when I was young, I've always been pretty motivated and driven. And so when I was little, I want to say like seven years old. I decided that I wanted to be a veterinarian, and so I really started getting into it. I I would, you know, learn about it, go to vet clinics, and I realized that I can't do blood. I can't do, when I, you know, when I started realizing what it took to be a veterinarian, it's not just caring for animals, it's cutting them open. I was like, well, that's off the table. Um, And from a young age, my parents watched the news, and I would be very interested in what was going on. My siblings would run off and do whatever, but I would sit there and watch. And not only that, I had my favorite news anchors that I would watch. Oh, who'd you like? Um, Dominique Soxa. She's in Houston. 
Mm-hmm. Still there? A, yep, she's still there. Channel, yeah. channel and two. now you're her colleague. Yeah. In, so, in the fraternity. And Yeah, so mm-hmm. so I would watch her. She started off as a helicopter reporter for Mix 96.5 mm-hmm. in Houston. Mm-hmm. And then she made her way to Channel 2. She started off as a morning anchor, and then she became the main anchor. And throughout my career, I've crossed paths with her and thanked her multiple times for just, just being, um, uh, you know, a mentor without even knowing that she was being a mentor. And who did you like nationally as as news anchors? Do you, did you have favorites there? Like every other woman, Katie Couric. Yeah? Yeah, she's yeah. just so personable. She really is. Go- I, you know, I always adored Katie Couric. Yeah. I always thought she was personable and straightforward and just seemed to be the kind of person of this is who I am. Right, and smart and she cares. Mm-hmm. You can tell that comes across. She's in doing she a does podcast now, which is I've listened really? to. It's quite, it's quite good. Yeah. I didn't know. She just, moved off Yahoo? Yeah, just search for, I think, yeah. Yeah, that didn't she jumped work. Good for her. Yeah. Thank yeah. Sir, just search for her podcast, Katie Couric, and okay. you'll find it. She's, uh, she's good. She's I really listen good. to podcasts up and down the mountain every day, so I'll just add that to my repertoire. That, up and down, you mean you live in Park City? I do. Or, okay. Mm-hmm. You know so, the boy, remember? Yeah, right. well, that guy. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, so, so that started really young. I think I was probably 10 by the time that kind of started getting in my brain, and my grandmother, I used to ask a ton of questions, and I loved to write. And I would ask her things that she didn't have the answer to. And she'd say, you're very inquisitive. I said, what's that mean? Go grab a dictionary and look it up. And so I did. And I liked it. Mm -hmm. I liked that title. And so I kind of kept going. And through... You know, high school, when we would do book reports, I would always record it as a reporter and interview people. So you kind of always wanted to be uh, media rather than a, uh, a newspaper reporter. Right, uh, right. Yeah, it, there's something about television and, mm. and doing it that way that was always very appealing to me. So, um, yeah, by the time I was a sophomore in college, I was already looking at radio, television, film schools and found my school my sophomore year in college. Where'd you go? University of North Texas. Well, it had to be in Texas, of, of course. Of course. Right. Why would you want to leave Texas? Yeah, but I wanted to get just far enough from Houston, but not too far, because, you know, you want to stay in Texas. And they had an amazing RTVF school. Mm-hmm. And so I went and just got after it. How, so when your first job was where? In uh, Texas? Abilene, Texas. Abilene, Texas. Doing, doing uh, just being a street reporter, a stand-up? It was a really interesting uh, year and three months there. I started off... As the weekend reporter, and I was the very first one-man band that they had hired, so that meant I shot my own stuff, edited my own stuff, you know, all of it was me. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Did you feel comfortable doing that? Was that good? You knew how to do it? Sort I of? faked it till I made it. Mm-hmm. I knew yeah. I knew how to do it because yeah. I did a lot of it in college, um, but man, I tell you, I was just treading water to begin with because you just, it's so intimidating when you first start, and so... Um, I was a, a weekend reporter. My very first report, there was this massive fire. It was the largest apartment fire in Abilene history. And we, I'm sleeping, okay. and I hear it go off over the scanner because I had to keep a scanner on my nightstand. <laughs> and I show up, and it's huge. And we ended up having three reporters out there. It was a Saturday morning at like 3 a.m. It was crazy. but uh, So that was that was my welcome into journalism. But within the first three months of being there, our morning anchor left, and I was promoted to morning anchor. And so, wow. all, yeah. All, just boom. But it's not, people think, oh, morning anchor, ooh, fancy. But it mm. wasn't. I mean, I, I was up at 2 o'clock in the morning. I came in, produced the show. So I stacked it, wrote it, mm-hmm. anchored the show. 
I'd get off the desk for an hour. I would do beat calls, which means I would call all the sheriff's offices in Mm -hmm. town, the police departments, check and see if there was anything going on. I'd go home, take a nap for an hour, and then change into my reporter clothes. And then I'd go out and report. And so Mm -hmm. I'd shoot two stories and a package and turn that for the evenings and then sleep and do it all over again. Oh, geez. A lot of work. And and people have the tendency, I think, to think, oh, these people are reporting on TV. Those people are making, they're they're making coin. I was making $15,000 a year. Yeah. I was on HUD. And and it's, and it's, and it's, even though you do it a few years, you're still not making a fabulous amount of money. No. It has to be the big, the network big time before right. you really start doing it. But there was a day in time where people in my position made really good money. Mm-hmm. There may be a couple of them left here in this market, but there are, that yeah. is that is the way of the dodo. I know. Quit saying that. <laughs> I'm a realist. It's 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 pretty uh, yeah. It's pretty depressing when you think about it, and it's because nobody has ever been able to respond quickly enough to the explosion of social media yeah. and the internet. Should have seen it coming. Right. There were people who said you, you better watch out for this, but no. But the people in charge did not. Oh, it's easy to leave the blinders on and hope for the best, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, talk about your first. Uh, so you, t- you covered the apartment. Um, fire mm-hmm. talk about your first uh, time you 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 know like interviewed somebody and you had to do it on the street or or maybe you know maybe it was a, a difficult situation where yeah. you had to you know go up to somebody's door and ask Ooh. them questions or man there's a, a lot of them that come to mind um <laughs> this is a pretty good one so the first um political figure that i ever interviewed was governor rick perry Oh, yeah, uh, this was mm-hmm. 2000, um, 2003. Mm-hmm. So he was still governor at the time. Right. And he came to town. It was for some, I don't know, some medical facility was opening and he was, you know, the dignitary there. This is before he was wearing his glasses. He yeah. had his glasses. Yeah, he had oh, he his did? glasses. Yep. Okay. Yep, he had his glasses. So um, I'm going there, and obviously they think you're going to ask questions about this medical center. Mm-hmm. And uh, But before I go, all of the women in the newsroom were standing in this you know, little group together, this little bunch. And I walk in the newsroom, and they all kind of look at me and start laughing. And I said, what? And they were like, the governor's here. You get to go and interview him. I'm like, okay, why is this funny? So I get excited. I start writing down some tough questions mm-hmm. about things that are going on in the state that affect Abilene. So I get out there. He comes in the room and he scans the room and he pew, it's just eyes on me. Mm-hmm. And he gives me just this creepy look. Mm-hmm. I was like, ugh. So he goes through and shakes everyone's <laughs> yeah. hand. Yeah. And I'm going to do this to you. He grabs my hand and he goes like this. You're kidding. He rubbed the inside of my palm with his finger. Oh, my God. And I ripped my hand away. And he's like, how are you? That's the reason the girls were laughing. I got back. They knew he was They knew. That. They had all been creeped on. So, uh, so yeah. And he's the Secretary of Energy right now, I believe. That's him. Yeah. I think it's nice that you're not afraid to talk about that and say that, too. Some people would feel a little. Why? Yeah. I mean, why? These are life situations. These are realities. Governor Perry. uh, I don't want to go into it. (laughs) I don't want to go into the what's going on in Washington right now. No. No. No, It's it's so hard to not think about it and not deal with it. Now, you, in your job as Mm -hmm. anchor on Channel 4, and and you do reports as well and all of that, you're still working as hard or harder than you ever did. Oh, yeah. Um, you you kind of have to maintain a 
a, a, a non-biased approach to yeah, this stuff. Absolutely. Um, it's funny because you look at the landscape of the media now, um, especially with 24-hour news channels, and there's opinions everywhere. Mm -hmm. But in actuality, news is not supposed to be an opinion. It's supposed right. to be fact. Um, I think the hardest part about doing my job these days is that I constantly feel under attack. Really? And yeah, yeah, on a regular basis. How so? Oh, just being a member of, and I'm using air quotes, the media, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So we're all biased. We all have a slant. We all have a you know an opinion. Of course, I'm a human and I have an opinion, but I'm not going to let that show on air. I'm going to report the facts. That's what people, I think, don't understand sometimes, uh, an ethical journalist, uh, a, an ethical reporter, can have an, a, a very strong opinion mm -hmm. about what the report is, but and, and to be fair, some of that might creep in. Right. But you do your best to yeah. keep it as, as unbiased and as level-headed and looking at all sides of it as you can. Right. In the Media Code of Ethics, it, it says we are supposed to stay as balanced as possible, but there are going to be times where we are incapable of balance, mm -hmm. and that's in times of you know, a really bad situation, rape, um, murder, things like that. We don't need to show both sides of that argument, right? And so when, when, when there are certain comments made by politicians that – it's just not good. I think we're allowed to say that's not good. But that's about as far as, as I will take it because no. I'm not going to attack our politicians or say anything you know negative. It takes away from my credibility. Mm -hmm. uh, what, uh, so when you're in a situation like this where we're just chatting mm -hmm. and I want to find out about Kim Fisher and what she really thinks and who she is and all of that kind of stuff – do you feel comfortable expressing your? I guess you think you do feel yeah. comfortable expressing your opinions in this situation. I feel comfortable expressing my opinions um, one on one. Mm -hmm. Now, with a microphone, being Kim Fisher from ABC yeah, Four, still have I to be can't. a little careful. Yeah, yeah. But like when the microphone's cut off, if you and I wanted to have a frank conversation, mm -hmm. I have no issue with that. But you, I mean, but just the fact that you told us about Governor Perry like <laughs> that—that's, I think that's a little out there. Well, it's a fact. I'm not. Yeah, Making I mean, you're not up. lying about it, yep. but there there are times in your career where you have been, so you have had somebody in management say to you, I don't care if it's a fact, don't talk about it. Correct, yeah. It happens. Oh, yeah, all the time. And it doesn't it piss you off? Yeah, absolutely, because as a journalist, that's what we want to do is present the facts and educate the community. And when we're told we can't talk about certain things because of whatever affiliation, mm -hmm. that's rough. Yeah. But it's it is unfortunately part of the job that we and, have to do. And with. and do you do you all do you always suck it up and Oh no. No, and no, say, no. Or do no. you fight? I fight for a little bit, but I I know how to pick and choose my battles. Good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really like you. I really like you. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just interesting. You see somebody, and you've listened to me on the radio, yeah. and then so you think, well, now I'm going to meet this person, and what are they really like? You know, yeah. it's interesting. It's just, just, it's always fascinating when I sit down with somebody I know just from the media mainly, yeah. and then I find out who they are. Well, know? I cheated a little bit. I listened to a bunch of your podcasts and stuff to hear how you converse. So. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad you did that and still Very decided sure. to. I did <laughs> to, to, yeah, to yeah, join that's us the amazing because. Part. Because I, people say, oh, yeah, I'd love to do it. And then they say, oh, never mind. I no, listen. no, I mean, that, no. it's a compliment to me because I, I like to think that I'm good at what I do you in are. this situation. And you're, you, I would, I respect your judgment. Your, your interview with Mary Nichols was wonderful. 
Well, she's wonderful, isn't she? Yes, she is. Amazing. I have a question. Um, Which do you like better, anchoring or reporting, and why? I like reporting better because that's, to me... Nothing against anchoring. It's a, it's an important job. They're very it's different. A skill. It's a skill. It's an important job. It is relaying mm-hmm. information to the community, and I think that's important. Reporting, you put your own stank on it. You know what I'm saying? You're out there. You're doing mm-hmm. the interviews. You're writing it. You're gathering the information. It's it. That's like my baby when I do a report. Um, right. When I when I present the news, when I anchor. Um, I'm putting out information, but it doesn't have the heart behind it that a report does. It's uh, it, okay. it, you and you've met these people in your career. There are anchors who are really good at at delivering the news, mm-hmm. who are about as empty-headed as they can possibly be. <laughs> you've met them. So many. <laughs> <laughs> Is it really so many? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, especially back in the day. Now mm-hmm. it's a little harder to do that. Mm-hmm. It's a little harder to be that because you you have to get out there and report as an anchor. Mm-hmm. But oh yeah, I've, yeah. There's I've I've, met, I've met them. I've known them. You know, they're just like, and they're very good. Yeah. The skill is delivering just, the news. It's Ron yeah. Burgundy, right? It's totally Ron. Burgundy. Yeah, kind of. Except he, I don't even think he was that good. To, he wasn't good delivering the news, really. Well, I think no. he was supposed to be. Yeah. You know, in yeah. the movie, in the world of the movie, <laughs> yeah. I think right. he was supposed to be Ron. I'm Ron Burgundy. Yeah, really good news reporter. Uh, so. Um, the the reporting is your meat. You love doing that. Right. You still get to do it. Yes, it's my lifeblood, and I and I have to credit my bosses for this. They they see my passion and they allow me to focus on the stories that I care about. And so, um, yeah, there are a lot of stories that I do pitch though that. Be- <coughs> Well, I, t- tell me a couple that's that are one that's been turned down that just um, you want to. Oh, oh man, damn! I wish I could still, do this. There was a, a wedding planner that um, I had gotten calls from several people um, about this wedding planner and how this person was taking them for a ride. This person would promise the moon and then under deliver. And so I had heard about this from from two different brides. And as I'm listening to their stories, I'm like, gosh, this sounds just like my friend's wedding planner. So I contact my friend. Sure enough, it's the same one. Mm. So I have three brides telling me their stories. Basically, this person would go and say, you know, we have professional florists and we have all of these things. And then they just show up with like grocery store flowers. Mm-hmm. But people would spend tens of thousands of dollars. So I did all of the interviews, shot all of the video, knocked on doors, made the phone calls, recorded the everything, wrote it. It was ready to start editing, and it got turned down by corporate because they were afraid of a lawsuit. Hmm. Yeah. Not even your immediate bosses. This came from... This came from corporate. My immediate bosses liked it, but were a little scared, and so it went up the corporate ladder, and the corporate people were like, nope, nope. no way. And so there it sits. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about the the issues, uh, and you kind of alluded to it a little bit, the things that uh, are, are your passion for reporting on. And it's I know that it's also your passion working with these things in the community mm-hmm. uh, and why that's so. So let's talk a little bit about that now, sure. the, the rough stuff of your yeah. life. <clears throat> which I I don't know how you do how you have ever dealt with, but let's talk about it because yeah. you've talked about it before. And it's I talk in- about it openly. I think it's really important to talk about it because so many people don't. So many people never say a word of it 
they pass away holding it in. Some mm-hmm. people wait until they're in their 60s or 70s to talk about it. It's And it's because you fear you're alone and people are going to judge you and no one's going to believe you. And so you just hold it all inside. And so the reason I speak out about it is to let people know it happens and it happens a lot. And it happens to people you wouldn't think it happens to. So so tell people the story of your uh, you, what you survived. Yeah. So... Um, the easiest way to tell it is my my parents divorced when I was two years old, and it was a messy divorce. My dad, they had basically a handshake agreement. My dad would get custody of my brother, who's a year older than me, and my mom got custody of me. She moved back in with her father, and two, my two uncles lived there. And during that time, um, one of my uncles, Joe Dale, began sexually assaulting me. He he abused me for many years when you starting when you were two start I, yeah I was two I'm sure that's when the grooming happened now obviously it was two so I don't remember I just know mm-hmm. based on the court records and based on you know the conversations I've had with my family so two when I moved in the the understanding is is it probably started when I was three and ended when I was five so and there was there was full intercourse unfortunately right. um and so my I think I was probably around four when I told my mom what had happened to me. And uh, I, I, I don't know if it's because I was so young, I didn't have the vocabulary or, you know, maybe it was the shame. Mm-hmm. He definitely used to tell me that no one would believe me. So I told her when I was about four and she told me good little girls don't talk that way. And she just never brought it up again. And that's unfortunately yeah, all too typical, it's isn't it? Very common. Very common. Mm -hmm. And so I held it in for another year and eventually told my father. And he believed me, obviously. He wanted to go right over to my mom and uncle's house and And kill your uncle. Yeah, he had he had his rifle in his hand. My my stepmom stopped him and said, if you do this. Um, your kids aren't going to have a father, and that's just going to be even worse. And so they took me to the doctor, and the doctor said, yes, this has happened. She has several infections. Yeah, that was a rough time for my father. Um, And for for you, my mm -hmm. dear. Yeah. Thankfully, the way the human brain works is it it wants to protect you from bad memories like that. So there's a lot that I don't remember. But unfortunately, that means there's a lot about my childhood I don't remember because it doesn't pick and choose what Mm -hmm. it blocks, right? Yeah. So um, we, we, we took him to court. He ended up on probation for what he had done to me. Probation. Probation. For uh, sexually molesting a five, four or five-year-old girl. Yeah, for several years. I mean, probation. and I guess you, you go to the doctor and, and your dad talks to your mother and she comes, I mean, comes to realize that did that she was realized it, it, I mean, how did she She always it? knew it. I think she yeah. always knew it. And she's never once apologized to me for it. She has never once talked to me about it. Um, as a matter of fact, you know, I, I love my father. And if anyone in my family, I have the closest relationship to him and my brother. But neither of them even want to talk about it because it is uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncomfortable talking about it right now yeah. a little bit for me. Yeah. And, you know, because it if it weren't uncomfortable, then there'd be something wrong with me. <laughs> right, right. So so he got probation, and then for some reason, some stupid YMCA gave him a job as a camp counselor. <laughs> oh, my yeah, God. I know. It's and he, the fox in charge of the hen house. And he did it to three more children. And Did anybody ever kill him? 
No, he's still out there. He did go to prison for 10 years after that, though. So it took, you know, four children. So he's he's out. He's a registered sex offender. I keep tabs on him. I know that's probably not healthy, but I know exactly where he is. No, I think you should. At all points in time. Sure. And I have really thought, I've thought multiple times as a journalist about sitting down and interviewing him, calling him and saying, I want to do this, or just showing up on his door with a photographer. But I don't know how that would affect me mentally if I actually went through with it. I'd, so. I, as someone who is becoming your friend uh, during this interview, uh, I would advise you to not. Yeah. It's, and I'm sure other people have said, Kim, don't do that. Yeah, I had a news director when, when I was in Texas say, no, that's... I understand the idea. impulse, though. Yeah. And I know you've had other problems in your family, but uh, we, I, we don't need to go into all of that. Yeah. You don't talk to your mom at all? And, no, I don't. Mm. I, I don't. She, you know, she, she and I had a very tumultuous relationship throughout my entire uh, growing up. Obviously, after what happened, I moved in with my father and my stepmom. How'd your um, brother turn out? How's he doing? My brother... Um, so you're still he close is, to him. Uh, he, he, my brother is. I'm very proud of him. He's he is a, a recovering addict. Mm-hmm. He has been clean for almost six years now, but he had a rough period of time. And what? And that's. I'm I'm surprised that I mean, people in your situation, you could have been an addict. I very mean, well. that that it very well could have gone into that, mm-hmm. or or girls who that happens to, they go into a life of sex. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, I can tell you I made yeah. bad decisions in my young life. I started to go down that path, but there was something in me that said, no, you you are worth more. And I just, for some reason, I looked at the mistakes that the adults around me made and said, I don't want to do those things. So even though it was natural to start becoming a little more promiscuous when I was in college, I was like, uh-uh, I'm worth so much more than this. And I backed off. I don't know why. It was just something innately in me that told me you can do more with yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, I I sense that you have a steely uh, personality when you need it. Yep. Unfortunately, sometimes it puts me in bad situations. That could work to your detriment (laughs) as well, probably. So many people, you know, I, I don't know. I guess especially when I'm at work, I'm just so focused on my work. That sometimes I can come across. You come, as a, do uh, come across as a little cold and biz, a little mean. Biznatch. You, uh, you can say <laughs> you can say bitch if you want. <laughs> I mean, I don't I, I see that. I, I, I can see, you know, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, so, so let's talk about how you, uh, what you do in the community and how you, uh, you know, which I think is great. Talk about yeah. that a little bit. Well, so I didn't really talk about my history, um, really, up until I moved here. And really, it wasn't even until 2014. It was 2014 that I did my first story on women's issues. And when I did it, the amount of contact I got from other women who said, me too. I mean, this is way before the Me Too movement, but other women say, that's happened to me. And then they would share their stories with me. And they'd say, this is another story. And I'd do another story. And it went from, you know, street harassment, which was my first story, to now. Oh, like the cat calling. Cat calling and that kind of stuff and how it affects women and and how we have to deal with it on a regular basis. But it, it went from that to now I cover, you know, domestic violence, child abuse, child sexual assault, sexual assault, because these like I said, are stories that have been held in people's hearts forever and ever and ever. And now that they see that more people are talking about it, they feel comfortable coming forward and saying, I want to share my story. Mm-hmm. And I think it's amazing. I think 
where we are right now in this world to see people feeling comfortable coming forward and saying, this happened to me. Mm-hmm. We're in a good place. How do, you, how, how do you think we should deal with, you know, there are issues like um, in the workplace, you know, mm-hmm. when people are becoming more and more cautious and, yeah. and, and I'm uptight kind of. Yeah, I understand and that. And it's sort of sad in a way mm-hmm. that we <clears throat> sometimes don't feel that we can be um, I don't know. It, it, like I, I, I will hug somebody in this office, but not often. And right. I, if I do it, I'll say, do you, "Can you I mind, have a hug? Can, can I give if, you a hug? Would you mind if I gave you a hug? I mm-hmm. just think that's great." Yeah, and you know, and what? if they say the yes, well, sure. Or because I mean, if somebody said that to me, I'd say, "Yeah, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't mind someone hugging me. If you want to give me a hug, give me a hug. Right. right. Um, but you. But it's like you have to ask. I will Is say that this. Good? Some would, sh- some would yeah. say you shouldn't ask. Some would say you, you should not. You meaning, shouldn't even ask. Meaning you shouldn't you don't do even, it. You, you shouldn't even bring it up. Oh. Don't even put them in the position of having to say no, because that's also Well, I wouldn't do it unless I really Unless you know, know the, person. the person. Like you, can't, you, know? you shouldn't just walk up to a stranger. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, that's kind of hey, creepy. Can I give you right? a hug? Like you gotta, you got to step back and look at the creepy factor of well, it Well, but I think kind of what, I mean, almost that example like if you just go walk around the streets people would be way more they wouldn't be so weird about saying god hell no yeah but when it's like you work with them and Mm -hmm. you're their friend and they're not really comfortable with it but is it worth being weird with my friend i think you just have to know i'm not saying that that's the right way to do it right but it's just kind of part of this movement right now that's such a strong push i think one thing that we as humans um don't pay attention to enough are signals from other people um yeah. right right so so i think i think we should all be able to tell if somebody like the moment i go in to give somebody i'm a hugger too the moment i go in to give somebody a hug that i can tell is not all about it i'm like oh crap oh dang it i just made this person you, feel really you've uncomfortable you've given an in in inappropriate yeah hug. oh yeah and and i immediately say sorry i'm i'm a hugger that's i'm sorry and generally people go oh it's it's totally fine um but i think where we are um there is a level of joking and of um, ca- casualness that we used to have that we're now seeing maybe wasn't the greatest thing, right? I'm very guilty. I've been in this business 15 years. So the first 10 years mm-hmm. of this business, telling inappropriate jokes, hugging without thinking about it. I mean, I'm a woman and I'm guilty of it too, but now that I am aware of how these things affect other people. Mm-hmm. I don't ever want to make somebody feel uncomfortable or hurt someone's feelings or make somebody, you know, feel bad yeah. about themselves. I mean, there are jokes. It's just a change in atmosphere. It is. It is because we are becoming more aware of how we affect other people. You know, I mean, think about it. Growing up, I, the R word used to be, oh, that's just R. You can't, right. I, I think R. back at. Retarded? Yeah. I don't. Oh. I can't even say oh. it now because growing yeah. up, that was just like yep. what you said. What and a now, retard! Mm-hmm. And now that I work with children with special needs, mm-hmm. knowing that I used to say that in the past is just like, ugh. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when I was in junior high school and high school, oh, that's so gay. Yeah, that too. And even the f word. Yeah. Was yeah. like a thing. Fuck you. It, mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah, F-A-G. that's the one. F A G. Oh, that one. Yeah, and oh. it's it's bad. Be- yeah, it because. Is bad. 
It was an insult. You were insulting your friends when you would say those things, right? Right. But you wouldn't want to insult your gay friend. Right. Right? No. And so it's just a bit of awareness that we have now. Which we, is good. Yeah. We just all have to be, again, more aware. But you must have been harassed oh in your career. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Constantly. All the time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Rick Perry on up. I mean, there you go. On down. There you go. And, and how did you deal with it? The way every other woman de- dealt with it. You just, you just, that's part of the deal. That's what, uh, all right, I just got to deal with this creepy guy staring at my butt. I got to deal with these comments yeah. flung at me all the time. But I will say that the past few years, I have been far more apt to point things out. You know, when somebody wants to come over to my desk and instead of talking about things that are happening in the world or things that I'm working on, instead they want to talk about my outfit, I'll say, you know, I'm working on this really great project, too, because I'm a lot more than just my my outfit. And people get it. You Mm -hmm. know, I'll make a joke. And then they feel bad about it. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying Mm -hmm. to make you aware, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and on Facebook, the comments, the moment I get something inappropriate, block you're gone. Yeah. I just don't have to deal with it. It's, uh, I just keep, you know, so I keep reflecting on my own behavior, of course. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there's a person here in the office, uh, a woman who uh, dresses very nicely mm-hmm. and has a variety of things that she wears. And I, I sometimes compliment her on what she's wearing. Yeah. And I don't, I think she likes that. Yeah. So a, a compliment is... So thank you. A compliment I'm glad is... Glad you noticed. It's always nice to get a compliment. Mm-hmm. You have to look at the, um, the broad spectrum of that person as a human, though, right? Mm-hmm. So if somebody is only talking to me about my clothes all the time mm-hmm. and nothing else, that's when you just go, ugh. Yeah. Because you know I'm more than that, and it's a different. I think a compliment is different. Uh, you know, if you can, if you say, Gee, uh, "Oh, I haven't seen you wear that dress before. That's really nice." Yep, that's great. That's a, that's a compliment, great. rather than, "Hey, you know." Yep. You look pretty good in that. I mean, you got this just down. A, just, just a different. So, so yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got, got it. You. Well, how do you? Um, oh, let me. Let's just uh, find out a little bit about. Do you? You were emceeing an event mm-hmm. this morning before you came here. Right. That had to do with what we're talking about, right? right? Va- was it Valley? This one was domestic violence. It's South Valley Services. Mm-hmm. They are um, uh, an emergency shelter. So you volunteer your services to things like that. Anything mm-hmm. else that you do in that uh, arena or just as it comes up? Yeah, just as it comes up, um, just as people reach out to me, I, I've done things. I really enjoy working with them. I enjoy working with Utah Domestic Violence Coalition. Um, Utah Coalition Against Sexual Assault, um, Peace House last week, National Ability Center, um, Best Friends Animal Society, animals, kids, and and survivors. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, What do you think this is all going to go with the Me Too? Do you have feelings about that? What might happen with that? I I thought about this many times, and I see it going a couple of ways. I, I think it'll either f- fade away. I, I think that would be unfortunate if that's the case. Or maybe it will lead us into a different realm of society, like more people having conversations like we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and maybe we'll keep future people from having to say me too. That's my hope. But I just don't know. Because when, when these things have happened sort of sporadically in the mm-hmm. past, then they just kind of And they kind of die down. Die down and right. everybody goes back to doing the shitty things that they do. Right. right. But yeah. you have to, I mean, I think you have to believe a little bit that people are, as societies are able to grow. Yeah. I mean, like we were talking about the R word or, yeah. or the F word, right? Yeah. Like 
society for the most part, right? There are still people, but has grown and learned something yeah. from big pushes, mm-hmm. big movements. Right. So I I mean I I don't I don't think we'll sol- we'll figure it all out with hashtag me too. No. But maybe like you said, we'll it's, start to It got this conversation going, right? Yeah. Right. So. You have to deal with on air harassment too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regularly. I know. I know. I've sp- I've interviewed and spoke just in friendly conversation with female television pe- anchors. Right. The kind of crap they get on. I would just. I wouldn't even be on social media if I were a woman. But you have on to. the TV. You have to. Part of your I job. Now. It is. And but I'm, they they try to. I bet they try to tell you how to dress. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how what your makeup's like. Yeah, you know, the makeup, I don't get that as much. There is one guy that did tell me, because I wore red lipstick one night, mm-hmm. probably a black, mm-hmm. and I usually wear red lipstick, and he told me that I should not show my collarbone and red, wear red lipstick if I'm going to talk about sexual assault. Make that make sense in your head. Yeah, no, it doesn't <laughs> at all. I know I know someone in my family who is in, in, an in-law of mine, who, uh, Hope Woodside, he always used to say, you know, I think she's smiling right at me. Oh, yeah. Do you think she is? He was serious. No, he's serious, yeah. I think, I mean, she gives these little smiles. I think she's smiling at me. So, Wait, he'd so never met we, her. When we had Hope on, did you ask her? Just kidding. Yeah, yeah I did, Wait, actually. I don't I get think. it. Oh, I you did. had Hope on? Yeah. Oh, I have to go back and try to find oh, that find one. That. I didn't it see was that. early. She was a, a very, really early one. I love Hope. Yeah, she's great. Hope, and, I love you if you're listening. And we uh, we uh, we had a great uh, great time. We uh, we ended up singing Broadway show tunes. I think we <laughs> did. I think I think uh, we had all maybe had a couple. We glasses also of wine. were drinking wine yeah. at the time. Yeah. We used to be more drunk on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. When we go to restaurants, and we're like, oh yeah, I'll have a glass of wine. Right, yeah. and but another. And now another. you don't have yeah. two glasses. You don't have two glasses or three glasses of wine and drive home. No, anymore. I don't have one. I'll do. I'll no, have one. You. I'll. I will. If I just have one glass of wine, I'll say, "Yeah, I, I'm fine." Yeah. Uh, because I'm we did scared. a thing on the morning show where we uh, got a uh, breathalyzer mm-hmm. and found out how much wine it took, and I think I drank three before it got me into the even the the three, new yeah. limit. The point oh five. Point oh five. Yeah. Right. I think I had three glasses of wine before I blew a point oh five. That's interesting. But I so, think Gina, like, it just, it's so it's different on the, for a, the person. I think Gina got through her first class. Yeah, yeah. Me- yeah. metabolism, weight, height, all of that stuff. Right. So. I'm not proud of it, but I'm a professional drinker. So <laughs> I know, I know, I'm not proud of that, but, but it's a fact. Hey, I'm, I'm a fan of wine. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so, so uh, I guess I asked you what you, you think for the future. I, uh, I, I would wish great things for you uh, in, in your career if you choose to keep doing it. Um, but then maybe there's this idea. Have you ever? Do you ever think you might stop and run the sushi course. restaurant and work in no. a sushi restaurant and have a family? If I were to stop, I would switch over to advocacy. If yeah. I were to do that, I am so passionate about helping other people. Have you? I, I don't know. It's just uh, you know, just as friends talking. Have you ever thought that maybe because you got the mind for it? Have you ever thought, yeah, maybe I ought to go to law school? No. Or run I for have, office. Yes. You yeah. have thought run for office. Yeah. Not law school. I don't want to go back to school. You don't want to do that. Ugh. Uh, too hard. Too much. Mm. Yeah. But, but you do have the mind for yeah. that kind of thing. I mean, Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but run for office. I have thought about that. That would be interesting. I really have. Ever thought about moving back to tech? That's never going to happen. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Not with the husband. Nope. Nope. You're here. Uh, well, you know, it's, I'm, so, I'm really glad we... I got a chance to do this, and thank you for I, having me. And whenever I've gone out to Channel Four uh, you, and seen you, you've all always been 
you've always let me know that you know who I am and said hi. And I, I appreciated that when I've been out there. Well, thanks. And so I'm glad. We so I didn't walk by you looking like a biznatch. No, you did not. <laughs> How do you say that? Biznatch. That's, I like that. That's how the kids from the 80s and 90s yeah. say it. I had not heard that. No. That's because That's... I'm not a biznatch. <laughs> no, you're not. <clears throat> you're a very nice man, Bill. Uh, thank you. Uh, Kim Fisher, Channel 4 anchor. Uh, pleasure to have you on the Let's Go Eat show, and uh, maybe we'll do it again. Absolutely. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Dylan, for producing the show. You're welcome. That's it for me. I'm Bill Allred. Remember, if you're pouring the drinks, always make mine a double. Broadway Media Podcast Network.